Today we're, uh, we're going to be focusing a little bit on a new subject. We're talking, the uh, series we're starting is called Suddenly. Anything ever happened to you suddenly? <laughs> you, you're going through life and all of a sudden, suddenly something happens. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Anybody have an I wasn't expecting that moment? <laughs> yeah, that happens to me too. And uh, so we're going to be talking today about prayer. And uh, I've, my wife and I were cleaning up my office on, uh, what day was that? Friday? Friday. And uh, I had uh, purchased a couple of books, and I intended to give this to somebody that wanted to pray for me. And uh, so I found it. Is there anybody that would like, anybody like to pray, that would like, want to pray for me? There you go. There you go. Rick Cimentero. Right on. Okay, so uh, let's have a prayer and we'll jump into the word. Lord, thank you for these, uh, uh, these lovely souls that are, that are here gathered together, Lord, to hear your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your church. Thank you that it's not an accident that your church is gathered. Thank you that it's not an accident that your church is growing. Thank you that it's not an accident that your church has purpose. That it has intention in its heart to love you and serve you and know you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray you'd open our hearts, open our eyes to see you, see your plans, see your purposes more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, these are challenging days that we live in. I don't think we have to talk about that too much. It's challenging days for nations. It's challenging days for for families, it's challenging days for individuals, for businesses, for seniors, for young people. We see challenges all around, don't we? We see challenges in our world. And uh, these are also challenging days for the church. Challenging days for the church. Uh, these are challenging times for us. But I want you to know these are not challenging days for God. Not challenging for him. No, our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-self-sufficient. He needs nothing. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need, you know, the nation's help. He doesn't need anything. He is self-sufficient. He's creator. And then he's redeemer. He's miracle worker. We sang about that this morning. And uh, he is faithful and he is true. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to know we might be facing challenges, but God isn't. God isn't facing challenges. He's not facing challenges. He, he uh, is not stressed out. He's not worried. You know, our God is faithful and he's true. And we know our God. If we've been walking with God, if you've given your life to the Lord and you've been walking with him, you know him. You know he's faithful. You know he's true. You know he's able. You know he's not nervous. You know our God. You know the peace of God. You know the wisdom of God. You know our God. If you've been walking with him, hello, you know our God. Our God is a great God. Our God is a powerful God. Our God is a self-sufficient God. He's a miracle-working God. We got that. We got that. We know that about God. 
But there's also times in our life when we're following God, when we're being faithful to God, when we're serving God, when we're we're doing the things that we know to be right. And we find ourselves in a challenge. We find ourselves in an impossible situation. We find ourselves sometimes in an impassable situation. Not just impossible, it's impassable. It's like, you know, there's a mountain in front of me, there's a mountain beside me, there's a mountain behind me. It's just a tough spot. Challenging times. And nations are in that place. Families are in that place. Seniors, young people, and even the church at times finds itself in that place. Doing the right thing. Believing the right thing. But suddenly, but suddenly, I didn't do anything to deserve this. I didn't expect this. But suddenly, here we are. We find ourselves between a rock and a heart's place, heart spot. You know, Israel was in that place at one time, Exodus 13 and 14. You can read about Israel were in bondage to Egypt, and it came to be a day that they were following God to freedom. They were following Moses from the land of Egypt. They are going to the promised land, and they were doing what God told them to do. They were doing what Moses told them to do. They were, they were being faithful to the word, and they found themselves suddenly in a hard spot. The Red Sea was in front of them. There was mountains on the right and the left, and there was an army breathing down their backs. And they said, what did we do? We weren't expecting this. You ever felt like that? (laughs) Yeah, of course we have. And the church has felt like that. And the Israelites, we read in Exodus 13 and 14, they did what they were really good at doing. They started to complain. (laughs) Why did you bring us here? Oh, God, what did I do to deserve this? You know, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We were living there. You know, we didn't have it all that good, but at least we weren't between the rock and the hard spot, and we weren't expecting to die, and here they are. And they started to doubt, and they started to strive, and they started to look for a way out. And you know what God, Moses went to God, and you know what God told Moses in Exodus chapter 14? He told them to be still. Be at peace, he said. (laughs) In many of the translations, in in, uh, some of the translations, they actually get it right, though. That word, peace. In verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you. Be at peace. But in some of the English translations, it actually says, be quiet. God was telling 
the people, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Be quiet. Be at peace. You know, when, when we are in a challenge, we can start. We, sometimes we call them prayer requests. <laughs> we just want people to feel sorry for us. Get the violin out. <laughs> Get the bottle of wine out. <laughs> ah. And the Lord told Moses, the Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. You know, being quiet does not have to mean you've given up. No, it doesn't have to mean that. We never, I'm not saying don't pray. Just because I said prayer request, don't say it, Pastor Greg doesn't want me to pray when I'm in a challenge. No, I want you to pray. That's, what we, that's the first thing we should do. It's probably the only thing that we should do. And it says uh, to be quiet, uh, but it doesn't mean we've given up. But the one thing I want you to remember is that being quiet can mean that we trust God and we're going to trust God because we know our God is powerful. We know our God is all sufficient one. We know our God is faithful. We know our God is true. We know our God is wise. We know our God is with us. We know it, huh? That's what it means sometimes to be quiet. And suddenly, the children of Israel found themselves in a completely different situation. If you read those, those words in Exodus 13, chapter 13, 14, the Red Sea parted. They never imagined it. Never imagined it. Who could have imagined that? To stick out your arm and there will be a dry passage, a safe passage. You'll be protected. Your lives will be spared. You'll be delivered. Let's expect God to come through for us in the face of our challenges. If you're up against a challenge, if you're up against a battle, if things look bleak, if it looks like there's no way out, it might look like there's no passage to the left or to the right. It might be that there's an army breathing down your back. It might be that there's a Red Sea in front of you. You can see no way out. But I want to encourage you. God can deliver you. God wants to deliver you. Let's, let's trust him. Let's believe him. Church, Hello, are you with me in this? Let's not be whiners and complainers as a church. Let's be people that are going to be delivered by our great God. Huh? Let's be people that are delivered. You know, Luke wrote about this very thing in the book of Acts. And we're going to spend the next few weeks in the book of Acts. I'm not really sure how, how long we'll do this. But three or four weeks talking about the church. And he said this about the church. You know, the church, if you remember, at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus had just been killed, and he'd gone through uh, uh, death and burial and resurrection, and, and there was a lot of confusion, and Jesus came, and he was teaching uh, the disciples, and he was inspiring people, and then he was taken to heaven, and uh, he told the people, you know, wait here, gather here, wait here, and uh, the promise that I've made to you will happen. And there was, a lot of, there was a lot of anticipation, 
But there was a lot of, we have no idea what we're going to do. There was a challenge. They were in a challenging spot. You know, they were looking at a Red Sea and mountains and armies behind them. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were gathered. You know the church? We know what the church does? It gathers. You know, people say the church, I can be the church in my house. You know, I can be the church in my car. Well, no, you can't. The church gathers. The church is the body of Jesus. The church serves one another. The church loves one another. The church prays together. These are the things the church does. You can't do that when you're by yourself. You can't be, you can be a lover of Jesus, yes. You can be a follower of Jesus, yes. But you can't be the church when you're by yourself. You can't do it. Now, we have online church. We have people gathered online. We have people gathered in an online service, gathering together online to be the church, to be a community online. And I encourage you, if you're online, you can say amen and encourage one another as you're gathering together. And in the room here, we're gathering together, making the intention to be the church, gathering in one place, it says. You know, sometimes we think of the church we think, oh, the church is, once it's organized, it becomes controlled by man and all that. But as soon as the church starts, it's living. And you know what? It starts to organize because the Holy Spirit is leading it. And they were gathered in one place. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit gathered them together? They were in one place, organized them to gather together. And suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the house. Say that, Suddenly. Suddenly, there was a church between a rock and a hard spot. And what happened? Suddenly, God showed up. There they were. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were probably tempted to complain. They were probably tempted to whine. They were probably tempted to question, why did I start to follow you, Simon? Why did I start to follow you, you uh, John? Why did I do this? Why did I even listen? What was the point of all this? <laughs> and suddenly, suddenly, suddenly when the Holy Spirit is at work, things seem like forever can happen very quickly. And today we're going to look at one way we can see God move in the church. And we're looking at Acts chapter 11 and through into chapter 12. So I just want to read some of the verses and we'll just kind of open them up and uh, try to do that as quickly as I can so we can get to the meat of this, of this message. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution. So you can here we are, the church is being scattered. Uh, that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only to the Jews. See, the church was experiencing persecution and scattering. And the effect was not complaining the effect was not being negative, but the effect we see in this verse was they began to spread the word. They began to spread the gospel. They began to spread. They began to talk about the possibility of what Jesus could do. Now, some of them in verse 20 says, uh, however, uh, men of Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch. And they began to speak to Greeks or Gentiles 
also. So not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles or the Greeks were being hearing the good news. All the peoples of the earth were starting to, to hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. See, the persecution caused the church to be innovative. You can be complaining or we can be faith-filled. And let's find a way. And that's what we've done through COVID. We, we found a way. We could sit and whine and stare at our belly buttons and, and complain about where we're at. Or we can find a way to be people of faith that spread the good news of the gospel. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now news of this reached the church. Say that. The church. See, there was a church in Jerusalem. And people attended that church. People were a part of that church. They, they were a part of a great move of God. And they sent Barnabas. The church sent. Because they were a gathered people. They had, they had organization. They had, they had uh, people that knew uh, how to walk in faith and victory. And they, they identified one. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived in Antioch, he saw that the grace of God or the power of God, the wisdom of God, what it had done. And he was glad and he was encouraged. And he encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Brought to the Lord. Say that. They were brought to the Lord. People were being brought to the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never ever trusted Jesus. Well, you're being brought, you're being drawn. Either it was a friend or a family member, or maybe it was just the Holy Spirit stirring in your life, whoever you are, and he's been drawing you, and he's bringing you. You've been being brought. <laughs> you can try to resist the Holy Spirit, but I'll tell you what, he doesn't give up on you. He, he's drawing you. He loves you. He's drawing you. He wants you to know that you can have a relationship. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. You can come into a life of possibility and joy. And the birth of the church in Antioch was there that people were being brought to the Lord and they began to gather and they began to desire to be taught and discipled. And Barnabas saw this evidence of the grace of God and this empowering presence of God started to move through the people that were gathering as a church and causing people to be who they were created to be and began to do what they were created to do. And they were very excited about living their lives for the Lord, just like you are. And Barnabas went to to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church. Say that. They met with the church. You know, the church isn't just by yourself somewhere. The church isn't just doing what you want and meeting when you want and where you want. No, the church gathers together. The church is being taught and they're being discipled and they're meeting with intention to grow in the power and favor of God and to know God. And the disciples were then called Christians first at Antioch. Isn't that interesting? And the church in Antioch was born out of preaching the gospel and the discipleship of believers. And during this time, in verse 27, some of the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit, say that, through the Spirit, he predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. You know what happened in the church, in the early church? What happens in the church is the Spirit of God moves. 
The Spirit of God gifts people. There's, there's prophetic gifts. There's wisdom gifts. There's miracle gifts. There's administrative gifts. There's serving gifts. There's helps gifts. There's loving hospitality gifts. There's gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church and they rise up as the church meets and we begin to see the Spirit of God at work and in move in the church. And we saw it in the early church and it's still happening. And the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help. Say that, provide help. You know what that means? They gave their money. They gave their money for the brothers and sisters in Judea. Yes, they did. Sending their gift to the elders who were the leaders of the church, Barnabas and Saul. And they gave the gift to the elders. And the elders used it to do the ministry. And that's what we do today. They saw a release of the gifts of the Spirit in their midst. And they saw a release of generosity to the church leaders to do ministry. We see that happening in our church. Praise God for that. Eh? You can say, praise God for that. Praise God for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank, praise God for gifts of generosity. And in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1, it says, it was at this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and intended to persecute them. You see, people in the church were identifiable people. They were part of the church. People knew they were in the church. They were people that people said, ah, oh, you go to that church over there, that crazy church on the corner of Kearney and 20th, that one with the sign out there, that, you know, the Holy Roller Church. <laughs> Some of the contractors that are working on a furnace say, what do you guys do on Sunday? I say, well, don't ask me to tell you. Just come and see what we do. I don't know. I don't know. I hear some of your some of you guys are kind of crazy. <laughs> are you? <laughs> Shouting and singing and dancing and clapping and and uh, believing God for miracles to happen. Wow, you guys are out of this world. They were part of the family. They were known in the community. And in verse two, it says he had James. So, so Herod had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. See, bar, being part of the church is not a guarantee of safety. It's not a guarantee of safety. You know, sometimes you might ask, well, I'm a, I go to church every Sunday. You know, why does that mean me? It's not a guarantee. When he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded, in verse 3, to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison and had him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's a lot. Herod intended to bring him out for the public trial of the Passover. He's chained up. He's guarded. So Peter was kept in prison. But, this is a good part of the message right here. But, if you're reading in your Bible, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That's what the church does. We don't whine and complain when we're in a challenge. We gather and we earnestly pray. You see, the church prays together to God because we have a miracle-working God. We have a great God of provision and power. We have a great God of miracles and, and healing. We have a God who can deliver us. We have a God who's not afraid of challenges. He's not nervous about pushback. Our God is in control. And Peter was kept in prison, it says. 
He was kept. Do you feel kept? Peter was stuck. Peter was guarded. He was left. He was alone. He was powerless. He was defeated. He was bound up. That's where he found himself. But the church, (laughs) but the church was earnestly praying. Do you know somebody? Do you know somebody that's being kept? Do you know somebody that's being stuck? They, They are left. They're powerless. They're defeated. They're bound up. Do you know somebody? Hello, church. Do you know somebody? Do you know somebody that's going through a challenge? They've got a Red Sea in front of them. They've got an army behind them. They've got mountains on either side. Do you know somebody? What does the church do? They earnestly pray. And they believe God for them. You see, the church is a body that believes and acts out in faith. What does the church do in the face of the impossible? When things seem like they're unchangeable, I know what we feel like doing. (laughs) We feel like complaining like everybody else. But the church gathers and it prays corporately. And the night before Herod, in verse 6, was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the sentry stood guarding the entrance. And suddenly, say that word, suddenly. Isn't it amazing how God works? Suddenly. Are you, in a, are you in a hard spot? Is there guards around you? Are you feel chained? Do you feel like there's no way out? Well, I want to tell you, there's a suddenly for you. An angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Dude, wake up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off. Peter's wrists. You know, one of the cool things about this story that I love is here's Peter stuck, kept, bound up, impossible. No, he see no way out. And the church prayed, and guess what happened? Peter encountered an angel of God. Isn't that amazing? Angel just shows up and gives him a kick. Hey, dude, get up! <laughs> angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. He had no idea what the angel was doing and what was really happening. He thought he was just seeing a vision. He thought, I'm just dreaming. This is, I'll wake up, you know, in the morning and this, I'll be laying with the guards and I'll be, you know, I'll be in my chains and blah, blah, blah. And they passed the first and second guards and they came to the iron gate leading to the city and it opened for them by itself and they went through it and when they walked the length of one street, suddenly, say that word, suddenly, isn't that amazing how God works? The angel left him and he was there and Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's cause. Has anybody ever encountered an angel and you didn't really know it and it left and all of a sudden you went, ha! Anybody? I'm not going to get you to say anything, but just put your hand up if you've encountered. Yeah, over here. Anybody else? Back there? Over here? I have. 
Back here, yeah, back there. Look at the numbers of people have suddenly, the angel leaves and all of a sudden, I remember one time Carla and I were on the highway and our car overheated. Old days, cars used to, in the, in the old cars. <laughs> you youngins out there. <laughs> used to put cardboard in front of the radiator, right? And it would help the motor warm up. But you don't do that now. Cars got computers. They look after all that stuff. AI. But in old days, we used to go to the grocery store and get a box and put the cardboard. And sometimes it cut a hole in the middle, let a little bit of air through. And I had done that in the middle of winter. And we were on our way, I think, to do some ministry. We had an old car, 1972 Ford Meteor. And we were driving on the highway. And all of a sudden, the red light, temperature light came on. And there was smoke, steam coming out. And I pulled over, and I went, oh, no. I was young and very inexperienced. Didn't have a clue what to do. I opened the hood of the car, and a guy walked around the car, a farmer. He said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. He said, you've left the cardboard in front of your car. He pulled it out. He took it, and he left. And... I have no idea where he came from. I have no idea where he went. But I know I got back into the car and we drove where we were going. Huh? It happens. I'm telling you, it happened. It happened to Peter. And Peter came to himself and said, I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and he rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people had been hoping that would happen. And the thing that everyone resigned themselves to didn't actually happen. <laughs> you know, they, they even were, were uh, 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 not expecting the miracle. And then when this, in verse 12 says, and when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and where the, that's where the church had gathered to pray. You see, how does a church gather to pray together? Number one, the church is alerted to a need for God's grace. That's what we get. We get alerted to the need for God's grace. When we, when we hear about a need for God's grace, you know what we do? We gather to pray. When the church comes together, we come together in one place. Now that can happen online. It can happen in a room. It can happen. We gather together. Okay? I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not limited by this physical thing. We can gather online. We can gather on. We've gathered on, uh, what do you call that thing, the Zoom and all those different things. We can gather and we can see miracles of God. We can see God at work. We can see God move. The church prays with one heart and one voice, it says. They were gathered with one heart and one voice. And the church prays larger than its faith. That's what they do. See, the church were unexpected. They were unexpected. Even though they were praying for Peter, they didn't actually expect it to happen. You know, we're praying for Peter, but how in the world? It's impossible. It's an impossible situation. In verse 13, it says, Peter knocked on the door of the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. Now, so Rhoda was a young person. She was a girl. She was young. You know, sometimes young people, don't they bug you? 
they're so young, they don't follow the rules. You know, they believe God could really do something. You know, they don't follow the time. You know? They're not bound up by all those things, like us old people. And they they can bug us. And Rhoda went to the door. You know why? Because she expected God to do something. (laughs) Isn't that great? Isn't that great having young people? I love it. They can bug you. But they can inspire you to great things. Man, we love young people at Gateway. The young people of Gateway are filled with faith. Oh, they're filled with faith. Filled with potential. Oh, the young people of Gateway, they love Jesus. They love to pray. They are people of faith and power. They're not limited by our old age. By our disappointments. (laughs) No. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening the gate. (laughs) And exclaimed, Peter's at the door. (laughs) In verse 15, the church said to the young people, you're out of your mind. (laughs) That's what they said. You're out of your mind. That's actually in the Bible. When she kept insisting, it was so, they said, it must be an angel. Must be an angel at the gate. Couldn't be Peter. (laughs) Couldn't be that miracle. Must be even a bigger miracle. Must be some kind of crazy miracle. And verse 16 says, but Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him. And they were astonished. What does the church do when it's challenged? We gather and we pray. We gather and we pray. Together. You know, sometimes when we gather corporately, we think, oh, I don't know how to pray. I don't know. I'm too nervous to pray. But all we have to do is say amen. Amen means yes. So be it. Yes, I believe it. Yes, together we say it's going to be true. That's what it means. That's all you have to do. Can you say amen? Let's try it. Amen. That's how we do it together. So this morning, humor me. We've got two minutes. I want us to gather together. So the only way I could think of it is if we made a circle. And I know some of you are nervous about COVID and all that stuff. And I'm not saying you have to hold each other's hands or anything like that. Let's just gather in a circle. So let's gather around this aisle. Can we fit this way? Maybe we'll go around the big way. Let's make one. It'll be kind of like an egg. Okay? An egg circle. So the faster you do it, the faster we'll be done. So let's just gather. We're gathering. We're we're taking. We're making a move to say, together, we believe God can do something. We believe for a miracle. We're believing for God to do something out of the ordinary. We're believing. We're believing. We're believing. Now, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. But is there some things, is there a challenge, without saying a person's name or whatever, 
I don't want you to embarrass anybody, anything like that, but maybe there, or there's something more that's more general uh, that you would just say very quickly, here's, here's a challenge. Here's a between a rock and a hard spot. Anybody you know of somebody or a situation? Surely we know. Guys in the hospital. Yeah. Guy was hit T-boned by a car, almost killed. Uh, part of our church. He was uh, flown to Vancouver. He's back in Prince George now. Yeah. Two family friends. Yeah, your nephew. Is, what's a cha- is there a certain challenge you want to say? In prison and cancer. Any other? Oh, yeah. Family that just lost a child. Man, what a rock and a hard spot there. Yeah, a non-believer. You're believing to come to the Lord. Ah, oh, a fire. Wow, these are impossible situations. Okay, let's, let's just begin to pray. Let's just, let's just begin to lift up the name of Jesus. This is just to say, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we believe you. You're our miracle-working God. You're our deliverer. You're our savior. You're our forgiver. You're our redeemer. You do the things that we can't do. You're the healer. You're the great God and king. You're the God of peace. Lord, you're the God of, of uh, breakthrough. You're the, you're the God of suddenlies. And so, Lord, we lift these situations to you corporately together. And, Lord, we pray in faith. In faith. These things are too We can't do them on our own. We have no power to do anything. You have the power. You have the ability. You have the, you have the redeeming power. You have the miracle working power. You have the, the life changing power, the heart changing power, whatever needs to happen. Uh, healings, physical healings, uh, situational things. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Provision in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's say it together. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You know, the church is powerful to change the impossible when we pray together. We have the power. Why does the church, why is the church relevant? This right now. Because when we pray, things can happen. Things can change. Impossible can change. Suddenlies can happen. Man, if you know of a suddenly, Let's not just, let's not dismiss it and say, oh, man, that's too bad. That's awful. Oh, man, nothing's going to help that. No, let's be a church that gathers and let's be a church that prays and sees impossibles change. The rock in the hard place, the pathway through the Red Sea. Let's see them open up. Amen.